0: Welcome to the Rolling Stone Studs, a podcast about the baddest boys of the British Invasion, hosted by your own bad boys. It's Pete. And I am PJ. And this week we have a very special guest. It's Jake.
1: Jake. A Beach Boys Boys production.
0: <laughs> our, uh, our good friend, friend of the, good friend of the show and friend from life. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Jake is back. Uh, he I feel like Jake has come up. Jake's name has come up a lot on the podcast recently mostly disparagingly. Yeah, but what most listeners Most listeners will remember him from a true classic Beach Boys Boys episode the two-parter pet sounds where we were all so drunk That was so a good one.
1: And that was a really good one.
0: It's many uh, have called it unlistenable <laughs> Yeah. And many have called it the greatest thing we've I ever I think that done,
1: was pretty so good. That's, that's true. The part where we played the, the sound clip of Brian asking if he can bring the horse into the recording studio is still probably one of the top five <laughs> hardest I've laughed right. in my entire life. Uh,
2: we, recently we've been talking about you because uh, we were talking about how Paul was on the podcast one time and has since not been back because Peter was so mean to him. And then <laughs> Paul was on uh, a few weeks ago. And we were talking about how uh, every other guest, me and the other guest, have just ganged up against Peter. And that that has... So Paul just made the mistake of not ganging up on Peter with
1: me. Yeah, well, Peter was, Peter was a wet blanket when we were recording because I was just trying to talk about my favorite porns. And Peter wanted to talk about the Beach Boys. I wanted um, to a go with At him a nerd. certain
0: point, you were also I was, watching I was, a baseball game. Was, you guys booked me during so. the
1: World Series. That was not my fault.
0: Yeah, let's not do yeah. that this time.
1: Well, there's not. The uh, and then Jake, you were all, also but... on our. We were also pretty
0: on our second to last. beach boys
1: Yes, that's. Uh,
0: yeah, it was great. It was that great. A, it was that great was episode. a great
1: one. That's a classic.
0: Yeah, that one too. So, welcome back, Thanks, Jake.
1: guys. I'm uh, I, I'm uh, happy to be on. I'm a fan of the show, and it's good to be
3: here.
0: Yeah, just so you're clear, we're not talking about the Beach Boys anymore. I don't know what you were expecting when you were invited on, but we have now moved on right. to a different white rock band from the '60s. Oh, um, the, birds. the Rolling Stones. Mm, the Ro- No, the Rolling Stones. The magazine? <laughs> no, no, We yes, actually, Jake, we get that confused all the time. I shouldn't have brought the up time. the birds because we, we do actually need to talk magazine.
1: about the birds on this podcast because the birds play into this album.
0: You got me. <laughs> what do you think is this is pet sounds there are no birds on this oh that's funny that's funny um not the magazine not the rock and roll hall of fame sponsor okay oh the
1: muddy waters not
0: band the rolling stones
1: not, not the bob dylan
0: song not or the or muddy waters song um,
1: yeah
0: huh. the band the rolling stones jake they're i think i mean they're pretty famous the, are,
1: hang on. so you guys, I, I know them as the bad guys of the british invasion
0: Yes. yes, the little okay. <laughs> little boy blue and the blue boys.
2: I'm sorry, the yeah. bad guys of the British Invasion? Because yeah. <laughs> that has a lot different connotation than bad boys.
0: The arch-villains <laughs> of the, the British Invasion. Boys.
1: They're the, the Thanos of the British Invasion. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: That's very right. Killing people,
1: leaving,
0: leaving death in their wake.
3: Yeah, the well, problems. literally. I mean... <laughs> I mean,
1: what are we, yes. we're on 1971, they've already, there's already been about five deaths associated yeah. with the band at this point.
0: Yeah, right, right. Also, the death of, the death of good taste.
1: Yeah, I'll say. These kids today with their Cardi B's and their WAPs, they don't know anything about good oh, taste right? anymore.
2: By Wop, by WAPs, do you mean Italian gentlemen from New York? <laughs> yeah.
1: No, no because i don't want to get no canceled, no 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 so no no, I do no, no I mean no
0: that. we're there's already a song about slavery on this episode we are not going further into this i am so excited
1: to reignite oh, the, 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 the brown sugar debate
0: yeah we'll get there hey man it'll be perfect because we also this episode can talk about the chocolate bar named after a song about slavery
1: oh my god is that real i did not know that that existed is it good have you PJ tried ordered one? it we don't know yet
2: yeah we'll find out today
0: cool so (laughs) well welcome to the show jake it's good to have you on i you are our rare guest who i mean we've only i guess had three guests including you but you're the rare guest who is actually into the bands we're talking about (laughs) i think both of our (laughs) other guests have been like tangentially interested at most Uh uh-huh but you are a big Rolling Stones fan. Tell I, us about I, your experience with the Rolling Stones. Um,
1: life. I mean, I, 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 I liked them when I was a kid. I had like 40 links or whatever, the greatest hits. And then um, when we were in high school, there was like a good period of uh, like remasters of classic albums coming out. Like the Beatles remasters all mm-hmm. came out in 2009, and that was like a huge uh, thing for me. And then the Sticky Fingers remaster came out in 2009 and the Exile on Main Street remaster Deluxe Edition came out in 2010. And so that was like very instrumental for me because they were like bands that my dad listened to, but then I got to listen to like the dirty side of them. Like they're cursing and talking about sex on these and it's not just like you can't always get what you want and satisfaction and like the the nice songs.
3: Um, well, and so, you
0: had been spinning the original vinyl, and you just thought that sound claw it was a little muddy, the mix was a little off, so then uh-huh. when those remasters came out and that crystal clear digital mix came through your your headphones. you couldn't believe it
3: yes
1: it was it was a, a true revelation, but the stones were like they were a fun band to get into when you're a kid because when you're a kid you you like the hits like you hear satisfaction and stuff, and then you hear like bitch and you're like this is this is like the adult version of this band. They're cursing.
0: Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear the heroin
1: going in. Yes. On, yeah. the, on the songs. Yeah. You certainly can.
3: <laughs>
1: nice. Should do we? Uh, so... Any
0: questions? <laughs> I just was like, for a minute there, I'm like, what do we ever fucking talk about with anybody on this show? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jake, do you have? A two-part question: Do you have a favorite Rolling Stones song, and do you have a favorite Rolling Stones album? Uh, and, we'll, we'll get to oh, both of them. A three-part question. Oh my God, it's a three-parter. Who's uh, your favorite
2: Rolling Stone? Charlie, mm, obviously. Great, great follow.
1: Oh, yes,
2: correct yes. answer.
1: No, I, I yes. think I think Mick is my favorite. I uh, my favorite Stones albums are the ones where Mick is real, real interested at ten.
0: Yeah. My favorite Stones albums are the ones
1: where Mick sings lead. Yes i uh, you're not a big happy no. fan
0: you know what i just really love the stones i would say mixing and lead uh-huh. keith playing that git fiddle charlie banging away on the pots and pans and then you got bill holding it down low
3: Ooh yeah and
0: uh i think that's really the true classic version of the stones right there man mm-hmm.
2: and then you got ian stewart just kind of hanging out and in the corner, being sad.
0: Limited to only speaking once a day in the studio.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but my favorite Stones album. <laughs> <And> on tour, <laughs> not
0: allowed to speak at all. <laughs> Go ahead, Jake.
1: <laughs> my favorite Stones album is probably a toss-up between Sticky Figures and uh, Exile. Ooh! But I. Oh my I, god!
0: The one we're going to talk about today. What a coincidence!
2: I know,
1: isn't it crazy? It's almost like this is the episode I specifically texted you guys and requested to be on. I'm but, sorry. You uh, did not text that that
2: us. Happened. You tweeted us.
1: Okay, I tweeted you. I texted Peter. I don't text you, PJ, because we're not friends. But uh, that's fair. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but but yeah, I think Sticky Fingers' Push from Shove is my favorite. Exile, I think there's there's it's so long, and there's probably higher highs on Exile, but there are lower lows as well. And Sticky Fingers is just very consistently great. I think. Um, and. My favorite song is, we'll get to it, but it's probably Wild Horses, I think is my favorite song. Jake,
0: is Sticky Fingers your favorite? Because every time you unzip that zipper, you're hoping there's just a penis there?
1: Well, and eventually there will be. Can we just, can we say off the bat, maybe the best album cover in history? I think it's up there. It's close. It's such a good album. I'm partial, I'm
0: partial to that Dark Side of the Moon, such a classic image.
2: I, uh, I I like the White Album.
1: It's a good one. There ain't shit on that cover.
0: Hey, PJ, or Jake, this might be an edit point. The trivia? Were either of you at that trivia? trivia? Yes. I, th- I thought I remembered you. Jake, were you at that trivia night where there was Jake a wasn't there. question about the White Album? No. I was so no, mad No, I would have gotten it. it. What was it the was question? It
3: was insane. No, okay. no, 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 no. We were
0: doing pub trivia, and the question was, what album... I, it was something along the lines of, like, what album has nothing on it except the Uh-oh. band name and the numbers, like, zero, 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 or Can something. I, and what and happened PJ and is I,
1: you wrote down the White Album and they accepted the Beatles. Is that it?
0: No, 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 no. Oh, okay. no We PJ and I looked at each other and we're like, well, it's the White Album, but the White Album had a different serial number on every single one, so Ooh, it can't be all yeah. the zeros. So we and thought so it that was has just to dumb, like Yeah that has to be some weird cover album that was like playing off the white album because everyone knows the numbers on the cover of the white album was a serial number that was different different for every album. Mm -hmm. And so then we put down something else. Like I think, wasn't there like, no, the Metallica, Metallica did the black album. We put down something else Yeah, where we're like, it has to just be like a reference to it. And then they said the white album, and we're like, "Yeah, that's not correct, though, because it wasn't zero; it was a different number on every one." They're like, "No, it's the white album." Well, Sorry. What made it worse? is Shelby we're was so upset. Was
2: making fun of us because she was like, "You two got it wrong." We're like, "No, we didn't fucking get it
0: wrong." The question is stupid. Yes. The question was terrible. Yeah, it's
2: clearly that
0: is. Ha-
1: yeah, we were. That'll happen to you with trivia sometimes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was. It was really crazy because, like, I don't. I guess are the re-release like digital covers? I don't even think those are just all. I, my ones, guess is they? the guy wrote the
2: question after googling an image of the white album, right. and it was just like somebody had taken a picture of their copy of the white album. Maybe, yeah.
0: Well, the Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, we were talking about album oh. covers. It is a great album cover. We'll get into it for sure. Um, what yeah. is the best album this cover of all? That is a good question.
1: I think it's I think I mean Sticky Fingers is up there.
0: Um I'm going to scroll through my iTunes and see cuz I'm sure there's a difference between best and oh, favorite. Oh. Oh. I mean Sticky guys, Fingers is up shut there. Shut the
2: fuck up. The best one is
0: Whipped Cream and Other Delights by Herb Alpert. <laughs> yeah. Um in terms of like the interactive vinyl covers, I always really liked Led Zeppelin 3. Where, like, it had the hole in the middle where if you put a little pencil in, you could, like, twirl the wheel. And, like, that was always really fun. I really like the idea for In Through the Outdoor where there were four different ones. And, like, it Yes, that was a super cool one. And, well, and it had the thing where if you rubbed it with, like, a damp rag, it changed the image and stuff, which was crazy. It turned it into color, right? Or something.
1: I like the Led Zeppelin one where there's all the pictures of kids on the cover. And they're all, like, wearing tight pants houses of the holy. houses of holy or whatever yeah yeah that's a... if
0: by tight pants you mean they're, they're all naked. naked are they naked
1: yes. i couldn't remember yes. i was, I, was, I love I, I didn't want to I say love naked the Children album I cover with the
0: naked 12 year old girl on it that's yeah. the best one
1: yes undoubtedly
0: yeah i don't know that i would say that i have a like favorite album cover that immediately occurs to me like I like a lot of different ones but I don't think that there's one single one that I think of as being like an epitome of album covers.
1: The first Elvis RCA album, the one that's that's him with the mm. guitar and the Elvis Presley on the on the like <laughs> the Pinky clash King on King the, the side, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a classic.
2: Uh that is. A I great Get one. Wet by Andrew W.K. It's a good. Honestly. Album yeah.
1: A great album cover. That is a great one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love the Chicago
1: Chocolate Bar one. That is legit, not a good album, but that is a is great cool. album cover. Yeah. All the, Chicago, chi- most almost of the all Chicago, Chicago album
0: covers are dope. The
1: one you know. with the bird is cool, the one with the big red bird. Uh, the you one where they're, they're like painting. Oh, the one, you know what's the best? Is Hot Streets by Chicago.
0: Yeah, that one's pretty look, cool.
1: Look that one up. It's literally just like five men in jumpsuits in each other's arms. It's, it's
0: extremely. It's very fun.
1: It's very fun. <laughs>
0: Is
2: he oh, oh, no, that's truly my favorite point. album cover of all time is The Freewheeling oh. by Bob Dylan.
1: Sure, yeah, it's I a love classic that album cover. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You've that's always just had me. a
1: big old crush on Susie, though. Yeah.
2: No, you I'm not a telling Bob me kind Al- of a guy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't even know if that's the best Dylan album cover, though. Like, I think Highway 61 might be a better album cover than that.
2: I love the Highway 61 one, it's my favorite Dylan album. I think I like the freewheel and
0: cover better. He's just like looks. He looks very cool. I don't know.
1: He does look incredibly cool.
0: I don't really listen to Bob Dylan all that much, but I really like either Self Portrait or Blonde on Blonde. If we're talking,
1: oh, Self Portrait cool.
2: Self Portrait. I think portrait either is of those are cover. awesome.
0: Blonde yeah. on Blonde is good too, yeah. though. That's pretty definitive. Like Self Portrait, I bought for the cover Fuck. when I was like well, first getting into vinyl, and then the was so disappointed by the album. Yeah, it's yeah. not good desire i was like oh this has
2: to be desire is another good bob dylan one where he's got the hat on and like the big he doesn't coat. i don't think
1: there's a there's well not a bad i was gonna one. say there's not a bad bob but there are there the christian albums had bad covers what's the christian album where it's like the hand being reached up by heaven it's like his third christmas christian album <laughs> oh is that it, one's pretty uh, bad saved saved uh yes saved is bad and then it looks knocked like it is really bad cover.
3: yeah yes yeah.
1: And that's a great album. That has Every Grain of Sand on it, which is like one of the best Dylan songs, but you would never buy it because it looks like a, uh, yeah, like an offshoot metal band.
2: Yeah. It also has uh, Saved on it, which is... I was blind about devil, bone already ruined. Oh, such a good
0: song. It's a bop.
2: Yeah.
1: It's a bop bop. It's a bop.
0: Pretty much all the Led Zeppelin covers are actually very good. After 3. Yeah three through the end of their career yeah um sorry it's all right i interrupted like i had more to say but i don't i don't have
1: more to say i don't have more to say should we just call it here (laughs) Yeah. all All right right. yeah all right good talk
2: i'll see you on the other side that way
0: well pj um do we want to do, a, do your chocolate bar taste. I think it might be time for a little chocolate bar I tasting. think
2: so. And not to spoil the album or my dinner, but I'm going to play brown sugar while we do it.
0: That's a great idea.
2: Um, so let me just review the packaging real quick. It is uh, uh, very colorful, mostly reds Beautiful. and blues, sure. uh, with the... Mouth blowing a raspberry logo on the front, very mm-hmm. tasteful. Pardon the pun. Uh, on the back, it says very big brown sugar. How come you taste so good? And then it Ooh, that's has very icky. It has all of their uh, signatures. Nice. And it is a thirty-six percent milk chocolate bar with brown sugar. Um. Ding- what's the other ding? ding- what's the other sixty-four percent? I'll get into the ingredients here. Uh, <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> The ingredients are. Seems like a chocolate bar should be more than thirty-six <laughs> percent chocolate.
2: Uh, milk chocolate. No, okay, when we get into the ingredients, it says milk chocolate ninety-five percent. So confusing. Um. Oh. It,
0: oh. Do they mean thirty-six percent cacao? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh. So the
2: ingredients. That's what Lightning
1: the, McQueen says. Cacao. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> um. So sugar, whole milk powder. Whole milk powder. I read that like an idiot. <clears throat> uh, cocoa butter, cocoa mass, emulsifier, soy lectin, natural vanilla flavoring, and brown sugar. It, it right. is oh, 95 kinda... yeah. Uh May contain traces of egg, nuts, wheat, and barley. Apparently, it is in a factory where they also make beer. and
1: yeah, Or food eggs. for horses.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um Minimum cocoa solids thirty six percent. Minimum milk solids twenty four percent. All right, let's okay. Let's get into the track by track of this tasting, which is me tasting it. It it feels like I don't. Chocolate bars don't come like this anymore, where they look like it's fucking Charlie in the Chocolate Factory.
0: Yeah.
1: Does it feel pretty premium? It, it is there does. A, if, Is there a is there a golden ticket in there where if you win you get to have sex with Mick Jagger?
2: Uh well you get to blow him, so you know, kind of. Huh. But... The the Bowie yeah, treatment I'm... is what we call that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. Are we ready for this tasting? It
0: I'm so I'm so excited. It, it, I've been waiting did all, get all day, baby. Kinda broken, but Oh, what? All the way from London to the U.S. and then back to London? <laughs> got broken in the transit? Okay. Well. Does it taste like brown... That, all I want to know is, does it actually taste like there's brown sugar in it somehow, other than it just being you know, a plain chocolate bar?
2: It does not taste like it, but you can, like... It's gritty, kind of. Oh. So, you can... You guys... Interesting. How cheap were your guys' parents? If you guys got an Easter bag. Relatively. Would there would there uh, be okay. chocolate from the dollar store in it? Uh it, most likely. Um so that's yeah, what probably. this tastes like, but um grittier. It's not the best. It just tastes like cheap chocolate. Like it's not it's as good just as a chocolate,
1: bar. right? Like there's no peanuts it's or just, anything in so, there?
2: Just chocolate with brown sugar apparently.
0: Now PJ, do you think that with this chocolate bar they were trying to get an Edible experience of what they were trying to convey through the song, which was really what it's like to have sex with a black woman. Having sex we're, with a black woman. Just... Has to... Not to not to put you in a corner in terms of your answer, yeah. but I just really no. Don't know. Having... it seems like there's no other way to interpret this chocolate bar having... than as them trying to give you a food. Yeah. I don't, I don't know.
2: Having sex with a black woman has to be better than this chocolate bar. Um, yeah. This is not a very good chocolate bar. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think I paid eighteen dollars for this. Title, I don't want to and in it on is it. not worth. It. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no way it's worth it. I mean, you would think it would at least be like kind of premium chocolate or whatever, but then at the same no. time, it seems like it's all about just having the Rolling Stones logo on the front.
2: So. Yep, I shouldn't have eaten it a shirt. Yeah, put it on a shelf.
0: I would imagine it's about the same quality as the like hundred dollar fleece blanket with the Rolling Stones logo stitched into the yeah. corner.
1: Yeah, this We're is like, very so much. So this could
0: have been a two-dollar blanket without the logo.
1: This <laughs> is stuff that I don't think they exist anymore. But this is definitely stuff you would have bought at Sam Goody. Like this is not high-quality yeah. merch. This is Hastings no. quality yeah. merch. Yeah. Um. Remember Hastings? I miss Hastings so much, man.
2: So if of if course. I'm gonna give this chocolate bar a rating out of ten,
0: <laughs> please.
2: Probably a two. Ooh. This is like got live if you want it. It's fine, I guess, but I'd rather just have something <laughs> else.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Well, you're making me glad that I didn't get one. <laughs> Although, if any of the other flavors were available, I, I want to try what the other mean? ones. But that was the only one on their website. Yeah, right? and
2: by any of the other flavors, you mean the one other flavor that they had.
0: Oh, for some reason, I thought there were like three or four. There but, was just the two. Okay. Um, The cherry cherry red. Yeah, cherry
2: red. And you know, I will say my sting fingers are a little bit sticky after eating this,
0: so (laughs) that's good. They have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Well, PJ That's what it sounds like to eat it. Okay, thank you. That's great.
1: It is just such an honor Uh, to be on a podcast this good.
0: Yeah. Thanks for the review, man. Um, I think, I feel like that's kind of what we all expected (laughs) from that (laughs) chocolate bar. I was
2: kind of hoping it'd be really good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That would have been a lot more fun if it was delicious.
0: That's true. Honestly,
2: the brown sugar is what makes it not, it's gritty. Like, yeah, yeah, that's uh
1: not good. And is that,
0: that's not good. No. Yeah.
1: Are you a dark chocolate guy, PJ?
0: I'm a milk chocolate guy. What about yeah. white chocolate?
1: No one's a white chocolate guy.
0: Don't get me started on white I... chocolate, baby. <laughs> I beg to differ. White chocolate's probably my favorite out of Can all. Can you them. imagine?
2: Like That's white chocolate Reese's take.
0: cups are so fucking good, man. Can you imagine hmm. if
2: the song had been called White Chocolate instead of Brown Sugar?
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it, it would be. It's no worse.
1: <laughs> it would probably be better. Honestly, it would it's probably be true. considerably better. <laughs>
0: potentially i don't know i mean it's it's definitely not good either way it'd be like
2: that john mayer thing where he called his
0: dick a white supremacist
1: god that was so cool
0: yeah (laughs) that guy best stand-up comedian i've ever heard
1: great uh and a wonderful tax-paying uh member of of park county montana so
0: yes for sure
1: yeah where uh God, when
0: he and Katie flew in, that was just the highlight of my year, man that was a big Holy
1: deal shit, man that was, she she lived in a weird neighborhood off downtown Bozeman. It was like a fake it's neighborhood it was a very strange place
0: oh. I thought they lived like way out of town
1: for well, he like. lives in Paradise Valley. I always heard that she got she like had on an a ranch apartment or yeah, he lives near um oh. near Willow Creek because there's a there's a the willow creek um I think it's willow creek there's a saloon. Uh, there that does sh- concerts, and he would apparently just show up at the shows and the and dr- just drink and hang out all the time, which kind of makes him sound cool. Except then you remember he's John Mayer, so he's not cool,
3: right? Yeah, but,
0: but he's cool now because he's he's grown up. He's grown up a little bit.
1: You know? Well, Taylor Swift he's like ended his life, he's cool so now. yeah, right now he's just hanging out.
0: Mm-hmm. He's on TikTok a well, lot lately. TikTok because he's into watches okay um let's get into sticky fingers let's do it that's honestly hey, no, all i know about peter, john mayer from peter, like the last 10 years is that peter, he's really really into peter, watches
2: i just what? need you to be quiet for a second so we can all <laughs> okay. just sink in what you just said and
0: oh thank you it was really it's it's a no, very sh- funny joke peter Let that
2: deafening silence be a reminder, Peter. It's
0: very funny. Who's decided?
2: I can't believe Um, we
1: did the whole Beach Boys run, and you guys decided to do more.
0: (laughs) I can't believe you guys didn't know that John Mayer has like, is that into watches? I don't know. John Mayer is a watch guy. That's the only thing I know about him. He's released like three or four like John Mayer versions of watches and stuff like he's is it like the mickey mouse watch but it's just john mayer
1: (laughs) (laughs) i would get it if it was that that would be adorable or it's the elvis clock where his hips are shaking but it's just him with Mm -hmm. his big racist dick shaking
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so sticky fingers all right the stones we're catching up with the stones we um the last time we the last time we talked about the Rolling Stones, they were running away from San Francisco with blood on their hands. Um, <laughs> and so we're catching up to them now. Uh, we're actually going to start before Ultimont um, because that's when they started recording for Sticky Fingers uh, on their U.S. tour at some point. I'm a little unclear whether they wanted to... Uh, I've uh, One version of the story says that they were traveling with this journalist on there who was like accompanying them on tour and they were in alabama and he like overheard that they wanted to record some stuff and he was like i know a, a great studio you should go to muscle shoals and they'd never heard of it and they showed up and started recording and then other things i read were like they wanted to record at muscle shoals like they wanted to record at chess and stuff because right. it was a famous studio they so, uncreepy, it-
1: I don't know for sure, but I would be very surprised if they did not set out to record at Muscle Shoals, because in, right. in late 1969, I love Muscle Shoals. I'm a, That's kind of part of why I wanted to do this, is I, I love uh, a lot of music from Muscle Shoals and the history of it. Um, yeah. Oh,
0: oh that yeah. sounded like a comma. Sorry.
1: <laughs> it did, didn't it?
0: Um, no, that's okay. So... They lay down some tracks in Muscle Shoals. I believe the four songs that end up on Sticky Fingers that they worked on there were Brown Sugar, Wild Horses, You Gotta Move, and Sister Morphine. Cool. And at least Brown Sugar and... I think Brown Sugar was the only one they finished there? Unclear.
1: I think both Um, Brown Sugar and Wild Horses are pretty much just uh, Muscle Shoals. Shoals. And they're at Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, which is different from Fame Studios, which is also in Muscle Shoals. But for okay. for for all the Muscle Shoals heads, listen to this. They will want that pointed out that they were recording at the Swampers facility, not Rich Hall's facility.
0: No. Yes. Good. Yes. Good to know. Um. So, yeah. So they started recording this in '69, and then. Sticky Fingers came out in spring 71, making the like 16 months or so between this and Let It Bleed by far their longest gap between albums so far in their career. Um, Good. Also, we're going to get into this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they at one point they had, I think, four or five albums out in one year. So, fine. You can take a year and a half off, guys.
1: Well, and this album definitely sounds like an album that they. Like, this – it's not a concept album, but it does feel like they recorded this album with a pretty specific purpose. Like, this is their most southern rock album. This is their most kind of obsessed with America album. Uh, it, this feels like they, they went in to record an album instead of recording a bunch of singles that wound up in and out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly um, this – I don't know if this is necessarily the turning point, but early on, for a long time, it was just like, we're just going to fucking throw these on the album. They can pick the order, Um, but yeah,
0: this one seems like they put time into it. I don't know. I feel like they started doing that with Satanic Majesties, and then every album since then feels like they've had an idea, at least of like a full album. I agree. I I agree that they like an idea, at least for the album that they want.
2: But I think this is their most put together.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, We'll get into this in more detail. I think next week when we talk more about their well um, about Exile on Main Street but this is the first album to be released on Rolling Stones Records uh, because around in 1970 their DECA contract ends and they learned that Alan Klein owns all of their music <laughs> so they started you a gotta love Alan Klein. new a new label uh, and it was distributed by atco which is an atlantic subsidiary in the u.s and i don't know who distributed their albums in the uk doesn't matter uh the their new label also came with a new logo the raspberry lips blowing away uh as we've referenced a lot on the show it was designed by john pash pashy i don't know how you pronounce his name and finished by craig braun Um, so the story behind it, the, I guess, shorter version ish is that Mick, uh, found John Pash by going to, he went to a Royal college of art, like master's program art show in London and really liked John Pash's stuff and commissioned him to do their logo and wanted him to base it on the lips of the Hindu goddess Kali. So, which are like bright red lips with a tongue sticking out is that this is that the same one from indiana jones and the uh temple of doom yes yeah um so pash worked on a red lips thing for a while there craig Braun was a um part of andy warhol's crew who was working on the album cover which we'll get into a little bit more later but when he was working on the album cover, he needed the logo at a certain point because they were, like, finalizing the album cover to print up. So he had Pash fax it over, but Pash wasn't finished with it yet, so he sent over, like, his rough draft. And then Craig Braun finished it up. And so he, like, kind of claims that he did as much, basically, for the logo as John Pash did, but he was never really credited, and they just paid John Pash and didn't didn't ever do anything else with in terms of crediting craig Braun. so Hmm. uh pash by the way was given a hundred thousand pounds which for a art school kid at the time was probably really fucking awesome that he's like i designed the rolling stones logo and got a hundred thousand pounds and then now he is kicking himself he didn't ask for like one percent of total yeah yeah
1: seriously 1% 1% of, of, that, of, of total t-shirts sold at J.C. JCPenney's. You yeah. would be a billionaire. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Being the most, I mean, yeah, probably more so than the Dark Side of the Moon thing, just because it's oh, been around yeah. longer. Well, I mean, the most used logo in Raw. Since this I think is a band is,
2: logo, yeah. as opposed to, like, just that album logo, yeah. for sure. This is, I see right. fucking people walking down the street every day yeah. with one of these t-shirts on.
0: Pretty much. Every single day. Yeah.
1: Well, you live in Rolling um, Stone, uh, England, so I, that's you true. see the band members. Yes, yeah.
0: PJ is just around the corner from the Rolling Stone official store. Yeah, so <laughs> that's where he got he's the. Always chocolate. seeing people walking out of yes, the store. It makes a lot. Of, yeah.
2: yeah, I had to order it online, so they sent it not down the street. They sent it to the U.S. for some reason yeah. in Colorado, and then sent it
0: all the way back. Was, they only ship international. Yeah, the so jolly old Brits it so always and then send it back. You
2: it know? must be a yeah. tax thing. You know those Stones and their taxes.
0: So, the rest of the album cover, they commissioned Andy Warhol to do. Um, and he kind of, he and like a team of artists from the factory worked on it. Um, the cover, so the cover, I assume people know, but it's a picture of a dude's crotch in jeans. And then the back cover is his butt in jeans. Like, you flip it over and it's the backside. And then the zipper unzips and when you pop open the gatefold the inside of the cover is legs in in briefs um, So Andy Warhol came up with all that. they they apparently he shot like four different people for the cover and it's no one knows exactly who who uh, is actually on the We're cover the four people for a long time
2: Keith, Bill mick and
0: charlie (laughs) for a long time i guess people thought it was or just kind of assumed it was mick but it was just it was like three or four different dudes from the factory who he just shot and then chose and unclear even if it's like the same person from the front and back cover and all that so Mm. but um the original us cover had the band name and album title in like the red stamped letters but it was up on the belt in the corner and then i think starting with the uk version and then all the re-releases it's like the big stamps on the left side of the album
1: yeah mm-hmm. i've never seen so. the, the, the one on the bell yeah i
0: had to look that up too because i was like they mean stamp," but yeah i think just the original huh. us cover weird um they had to ship the albums with the zipper half unzipped so that the so that it was resting in the middle of the label so it didn't damage the vinyl interesting
1: well, didn't it didn't it damage the vinyl anyway? Like, wasn't the whole thing was that it just destroyed all the records?
3: I
0: don't know. No, I just read that they were worried about it, so they shipped it okay. that way. I don't know if it actually ended up. It probably did for some of them, I assume. Um, and then the inside sleeve that held the actual album was plain white with the finished Raspberry Lips logo in bright red across it and that was the first time you saw their logo as this gigantic uh parrot dick sucking lips I assume (laughs) is what they were trying to mean with it with this album um you know looking at the logo on the like
2: because I have a picture pulled up of that logo on that album it does look unfinished oh Yeah. yeah I mean I think that's the finished version uh, but it looks unfinished. But that's oh, what I'm okay. saying. Like, the guy gotcha. sent it unfinished, and the other guy was like, I
0: touched it up a little bit. It looks like there right.
2: should be more. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, in Spain, they the cover was censored, and so the factory team, surprisingly, like, they knew about this when they were making it because the factory made an alternate cover um, that very much seems like a Spinal Tap album cover, it's like this really dark photo of a can of treacle like a tin can with the top popped and then a hand is like reaching fingers up out of it it's really disturbing that's way Mm -hmm. more
1: that that is way more upsetting than just a regular album cover like why would a bunch of hands in like a jar filled with blood with blood all over it be better than a man's penis
0: (laughs) yeah it's real weird yeah Um, And then the best version (laughs) was the album wasn't released in the USSR until 1992. And when they released it there, they replaced it with a picture of, assumedly a woman wearing jeans, just because you can't see an outline of a cock in it. (laughs) So, a woman wearing jeans, and instead of the regular belt, they had a Soviet Army belt with a hammer and sickle belt. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so funny. Yeah yes so um we'll get into when we do the track by track we'll get into a little more of like what the songs are written about but a couple of the famous songs to start with um so wild horses was one of the we talked early on when Mick and Keith started writing songs together about their process which was usually Keith kind of came up with a riff or a a guitar line and then would come up with a lyric or two to hand Mick and then Mick would finish it. And generally that lyric would become the title. Like with Satisfaction, he wrote down, I can't get no Satisfaction and the riff and gave that to Mick and then they finished it up. So with Wild Horses, Keith kind of came up with some of the guitar lines and then the one lyric, Wild Horses couldn't drag me away and handed that off to Mick. Um, Keith came up with all that as they were leaving for their 69 tour. He had just had a kid with Anita Pallenberg and was very much enjoying being a stay at home dad basically. And so it was very sad to leave them and came up with all that. And then, um, Mick kind of took it. And the popular interpretation is that he kind of wrote it about Marianne faithful. Um, but I read some interview with him later where he said that wasn't, he's like Marianne kind of factored into it, but he was like, it was really just a lot of different things that I was feeling at the time in terms of, um, you know, kind of feeling melancholic sure, and all that. So, um, there's also, I didn't realize this. So as we talked about with let it bleed, uh, Graham Parsons and Keith are hanging out a lot in this era. And Graham Parsons, I don't think he really helped write Wild Horses, but in 1970, before they had it, um, like before they were releasing it on Sticky Fingers, he asked if he could do a version with the Flying Burrito Brothers. So theirs was actually the first version out, hmm. the Flying Burrito Brothers Wild Horses. Mm-hmm. And then in 1972 or something, there was a label version, which is kind of wild huh. and interesting.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's on. Um, I think it's on Burrito Deluxe. It's on their second album.
0: Yeah, sure. yeah. I listened to a little bit of it. It's very similar. It's just the vocals pretty different, obviously. Exactly. It's harmonic, but it's
3: it's
1: almost exactly the acoustic version from the deluxe version of of Sticky Fingers, like because it doesn't yeah. have the electric guitar yeah. on the back end. But it's it's yeah. yeah, it's the exact same song.
2: When I saw that there was an acoustic version on the deluxe album, I got really excited, and then it was just fine.
1: The song's mostly. I mean, we'll get into it, but the the, the best part of that song is the electric guitar. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear the acoustic.
0: Um, and then the Labelle version is actually kind of dope, just because it's so weird and different.
2: But yeah,
1: okay. now PJ is a big fan of the uh, of the Susan Boyle version. That's always Can what I, I had heard.
2: Uh, the first time I ever heard it was in a movie called <laughs> Camp, that was made in like two thousand four, and uh, it, it like. It's about all these kids at a theater camp, and most of them are, like, gay. But then there's this one straight kid, and for his audition, he does Wild Horses. And it's the first time I'd ever heard it. And I was obsessed with that movie because it was so fucking bad. It's the worst movie. <laughs> but And it was, like, the first movie I, like, watched, ironically, a whole lot. And then I was always like, but that song's really good. And so yeah. then I, like, got really into the song. And then really into the Rolling Stones.
0: Nice.
1: Pretty
0: good. Um, So, and then let's, uh, we can also talk about Brown Sugar a little bit before. I think these are really kind of the two that bear discussion before we get into the track by track. Um, So Brown Sugar um, was supposedly written, again, kind of some competing opinions here, but supposedly was written about Marsha Hunt. Who was a girlfriend of Mick's in 69, 70, um, with whom he had his first child. Oh. Um, yeah. And, but he, but then, like, another girlfriend of his from around the era claims it was about her. And then Mick is, as per usual, is like, it's not really about anything. I don't know. It's just kind of. So. I um, kind of
1: agree. I don't think that song is, like, about anything it's just about debauchery like it's just the the like worst things he could think of in a row basically
0: yeah i mean to maybe give credit to the idea that it was about one of these girlfriends the apparently working title of it was just brown pussy so (laughs) and then but then also like because they were such noted heroin fiends it also you know was became a thing that it was about a nickname for heroin being brown uh-huh. sugar. Um,
1: that's that's up there so, with the uh, that's up there with the original version of Tootie Fruity being uh, Tutti Fruity Hot Booty for for brown. all time.
2: Can you imagine if there was a song just called Brown Boots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's um, so on the nose. <laughs> so
3: uh,
0: let me double check that. I kind of feel like it might have been.
1: Now I'm just imagining them singing like like brown, just the pussy, chorus of that but it's brown so pussy. <laughs> like, Just no subtlety. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, um sorry, even guys even more it was it wasn't originally brown. It was just originally black pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. Right.
1: Dude, Mick is so that's cool. Just What if we recorded <laughs> like a song called Black Pussy? All it was. Just
2: It's my um. favorite thing is that the working title of one of the Beatles songs was Scrambled Eggs, like a yeah. fun little song. And he's just yeah. like Black Pussy. a yeah. black pussy.
0: <laughs> so the song or the lyrics were apparently written in the studio in like 45 minutes or something. And Mick just like wrote them straight out and he like I don't know if you actually read the lyrics it does not like later in this interview from 1995 he talks about how it's like a very a mishmash of a song where he's like I was thinking of a bunch of different things and just trying to like write well it wasn't even trying but it just turned out to be like this just like all the offensive shit I could think of but if I read the lyrics it seems just very clearly like every verse it it very clearly seems like it's just about a slave owner who likes having sex with his slaves like yeah i don't get how it's other stuff is supposed to be in there um so
1: i think the bottom weird. line on this song is just that like at this point in the rolling stones career the lyrics are like the 12th most important thing happening like everything else in that what do you mean song at is- this point just that's. <laughs> I don't know what I no, mean. No, I mean,
0: just... mean their lyrics are never good. So yeah, like no, like it, the
1: we... lyrics don't matter in that song. That song is all about attitude and feel. It's not about lyrics at all. Uh,
2: we we with the Beach Boys, we talked about how dumb some of their lyrics were a lot. We have not done that with the Rolling Stones because they're all pretty fucking dumb.
0: Yeah, they're not. Great. I mean, yeah, like it's. I don't know it's not great um like we talked a lot about under my thumb and a couple other songs off aftermath that were super misogynistic and kind of not whether that was problematic because i don't think we're the this one is both but misogynistic and racist right and like with those i don't know i feel like there is potentially room for it to be okay Brown Sugar doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of room for this song to be okay in 2021, which, now, no, know, and the I wish Stones it was a were, less
1: good song. If the Rolling Stones were a little bit bigger, there would be, like, a great Twitter thread about how to cancel, about how we had to cancel this song.
0: Yeah, yeah so that's the background of brown sugar um is there anything from either of you guys because you guys probably actually even with all the research i did this week i'm sure you both know much more about this album is there anything you guys want to talk about before we get to the track by track with sticky fingers for the recording or any of the songs that you
2: wanna well watch? did you know that the working title of brown sugar was black pussy
1: <laughs> i
0: just learned that yeah yeah,
2: yeah.
1: This is my favorite Stones album because I think this is like the logical endpoint of their obsession with American music. Like on this, this is them. It's at their their bluesiest. Their best country songs are on here. Their best blues. Like this is the logical endpoint of them as a band being obsessed with American culture.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cool. Interesting that you say that because next week I'm going to say that exact thing about that album well those
1: (laughs) those two albums are side a and side b in a lot of ways i think that's fair like they are uh, exile is just the really messy gross even grosser version of sticky fingers like it's sticky fingers with dirt rubbed all over it like the country songs are even more kind of country bumpkiny even stickier fingers the blue songs are even like like Muddier and less distinct, um, not
0: really on the same track, but just as a point of interest, like we are now in a Rolling Stones period where I have not heard any of these songs before because I did not listen to the second disc of either of their greatest hits albums that I've ever had. (laughs) Oh, wow! And so, yeah, like, because Jake. We, the last couple albums we've been talking about, it's been hard for me to get over the like pole singles and sure. listen to it more as an album with like a Sympathy for the Devil or Gimme Shelter leading it off. And so this one, like I know Brown Sugar is a big song, but I don't think I've heard it before or at least not enough for it to be like this huge hit to escape. So I feel like I should. And I... same with Exile on Main Street. I don't think I've ever heard any of the songs on there before. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, that's gonna be a fun experience. Uh, but I, I feel like I should amend what I said earlier. This is not the end point. I feel like this is the like culmination of both uh, both types of music that they were trying to do, like the American blues yeah. and country music, and then also the kind of string influenced like pop rock and roll that they're doing on the two records before this. Yeah, see
2: that that I would agree with more. That right? it's, it, it's a it's a mix of every.
0: Thing they've done
1: exactly. You've got everything on here. You got the Um, strings and the blues.
0: And I will amend and say when I look through disc two of technically not forty licks. I have GUR right now on my iTunes. But when I look through disc two of GUR, I only know it's only rock and roll and start me up. So so, you, and the rest of them, I recognize titles, but I could not sing any of the parts of that song. That's
1: fascinating to me. See, this is the part of, so. this is the Rolling Stones era that I've always gravitated towards. Like, I don't particularly care about any of the early stuff. You know, like, I understand that Satisfaction is a very important song in music history, but I'm never going to put that song on. Like, this, like, Beggar's Banquet on is is my real sweet spot, because I love the blues and I love their weird kind of half-ass take on the blues
2: they're british blues
1: exactly they're they're yeah they're british blues
0: well as pj and i have talked about a lot i had never listened to a full rolling stones album before this show i'd That's only wild, ever listened to the greatest hits so and as a kid i liked the first disc because it had all those you know
3: mm-hmm. uh
0: the fun ones. satisfaction and paint of black and under my thumb and shit yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah those so, are the fun ones well
0: yeah well do we want to take a quick break and then yeah come
1: back i gotta go to the bathroom okay jake not on the show
0: come on that's man. crass <laughs> man,
1: i on. thought we had already taken the break i wouldn't have said everyone it.
0: knows what the break means we just don't no. say it out loud. we take a break we
2: play a song we talk over it for about two seconds and then it fades out okay, well, fades i don't back listen in, to your show
1: back. so let's assume that i don't understand any of this stuff i listened to the first episode oh, and i was okay. like okay so it's the same thing where they're just kind of yelling at each other and then i didn't listen to anything right. else
0: yeah you know all you need to know well it's time for a break Welcome back to the Rolling Stones Studs. We're talking about Sticky Fingers this week with our special guest, Jake.
3: It's
1: Jake. Hi, Jake. It's Jake. He's still I've here. i been here, haven't left. I went to go um, get a Mexican Coke, but that was it.
0: Yeah, it was a long break because he had to go all the way south of the border
1: for that one. Well, I live in uh, El Paso, so it's not actually that hard.
0: Oh, okay. No. I mean, it's still traffic, though. It's crazy. do oh, <laughs> Sunday get afternoon. Me
1: started about traffic in El Paso, That post-church
0: everybody. traffic, man. It's just crazy.
1: <laughs> Everybody's going in the Cracker Barrel. That's right. That bit of Mexican
2: Cracker Barrel's way better than white Cracker Barrel.
1: Oh, can you even imagine that the, the chicken strips are just spicy?
2: <laughs> That's the only difference. <laughs>
1: yeah, other than that, it's the same. It's just all teddy bears and flags. Yeah.
0: El Barril de Galletas.
1: All right.
2: They also sell those cool Mexican blankets in the store.
1: Oh, yeah. sure.
2: You can haggle them down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, we're talking about Sticky Fingers. We're going to get into the track by track. Uh, The album was released in April 1971. It went to number one in both the U.S. and the U.K. Maybe... Not their first album to do that, but close, not often do they have an album go number one in both countries? Um, and in terms of the album's sound, it's a little it's a little more stripped down. It kind of when I was reading about it, it seemed like it has a reputation of being a more paired back album because they have less um, kind of different instruments happening but there's I mean, now a that lot of Brian's
2: not here being like, I'd like to play xylophone and kazoo on this song.
0: Right. It's a lot more. Uh... Um, so there's a lot of like extra percussion on a few tracks. Uh, and then I would say the big thing on this album is that they have horn lines and string sections on a couple tracks, which Hell yeah, they do. to me, I didn't really notice that it was paired back because of that stuff coming in. So, I
1: don't And know. you've got Mick Taylor just shredding on every song. such an incredible addition to the band
0: and 10th Beatle Billy Preston shows up on a couple songs as well
1: oh that's funny yeah we
0: we hear his dulcet organ tones
2: I mean the Beatles are broken up at this point what else has he got to do
1: if you were recording if you were recording an album in the like late seven early 70s late 60s and you wanted organ it was a 50 50 toss-up between Al Cooper and and billy preston like you just That's had fair. to pick one of them it was like yeah. we could either get dylan's guy or the beatles guy
2: i, I was yeah. talking about this at work the other day i think billy preston is maybe the coolest man in the world he's just cool like all around everything about he's him. very cool Fucking cool yeah it's quite yeah, the work he's conversation. A cool dude thanks pete
3: well let's
0: just see your previous work conversation you brought up was I someone you worked with not knowing that the Rolling Stones had any country songs and then this week a work Shame. conversation was talking about Billy Preston which given the lack of information they seem to have about yeah. 70s music seems crazy that then you would jump to a full conversation about a yeah, comparatively uh, under the radar musician two different employees uh, yeah, I yeah. thought you worked in one of those really small offices where it was just you and another person it's just me and the water cooler, baby.
1: Yeah, you guys, you talk about TV. Water cooler shows.
0: That's right. Did you see HBO?
1: Yeah, all box office. You
0: guys office. like that young
2: Sheldon show? I can't get a uh, that young Sheldon boy. It's
1: too, it's too racy.
3: <laughs> hmm.
1: like, so You know, I he finds so out about, <laughs> well, it's that, go. it's not racist enough and it's too racy. It's, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: You like the fine line between. Speaking of, let's get to sticky fingers. Let's do it, baby. (laughs) Track one, the aforementioned brown sugar. Love the castanets by Mick.
2: Of course, that's Mick,
0: and playing maracas.
2: At the same time, yes. backing vocals pre on this song
1: black pussy
0: (laughs) um similar to under my thumb in later tours they changed the lyrics to this song so that it was less around about slavery
1: yeah
0: they changed um they changed one of the lyrics to you should have heard him around midnight instead of the reference to them. Yeah. And then I think changed it to just girl instead of like black girl or something. So,
3: yeah.
2: Um, for how just kind of terrible the lyrics are to this song. It's a, it's a good song. It's a really good good. song. It is so
1: good. I mean, it's one of the best guitar songs ever. Like the guitar line is just—it's—it's it's one of the best things Keith oh. has ever done.
2: And the sax coming in.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Where they uh, even the got s- the sax guy from?
0: The sax is terrible. As you know, all the saxes in sax is on all these Rolling Stone songs. But... Oh,
2: shut up, Peter. You suck. Uh, the nah, sax. It's it's
0: same. Good, it's the same guy who is all over "Let It Bleed." Uh, what was his Bobby name? Bobby Keys. Yes, Bobby Keys. Thank you. Okay. Um, same dude. Uh, this song's fine. Like, it's solid. It's a good song. It's a really it's, good song. I will it's, say, it's speaking song. as someone who did not know it, it's not an easy one to get into when you start with, oh, these are yeah. terrible lyrics. Yeah. And then you're like, why would I bother getting into this song if it's that bad?
1: Um, I still just, I stand by, though, that, that the lyrics are... Like, the 15th most interesting thing in this song. Like, everything else yeah. in this song is, is... I barely even noticed the lyrics. Like, the, they might as well not be words. He might as well just be making sounds. Like, the song is it, so just about vibes. He could
2: have called it Black Pussy, and it would have been fine.
1: He could... Would've no, what he would have noticed. <laughs> would have been bad. I don't think it would have okay. been, but uh, PJ has apparently decided to take this stance.
0: Yeah. You guys take the stances you want, but I have not all week been getting over the fact that the in the very first verse it's just oh it's a slavery song okay yeah explicitly yeah it's hard to get into the only part of this song i actually just out and out love is the yeah 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 woo at the end is awesome (laughs) yes i fucking love yeah like if they just transpose that into a different song it'd be amazing
1: (laughs) this definitely feels like one of those like Things where British people will write something about America and they don't understand how touchy all of that is. Like, yeah. uh, what was that movie? Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, where the good guy is like a is like a cop who who used to execute brown people and now is like nice because he helped out a white woman or something. And it's like, yeah. ooh, this is very clearly not written by a guy who understands these tensions. Yeah. um
0: Interesting point, Jake. That. I don't think we actually ever really talked about this on the program, but when the stones were touring the U S in the like more mid sixties, they, and, and now, but they had a lot of like BB Kings, Chuck Berry's, I can Tina Turner's that they were touring with and like Mm -hmm. were confused at the idea that promoters didn't, they were like, but it's black people and a white band like at the same show and like didn't and the Rolling Stones were like, well, we're all playing blues and like just didn't get the, you know, the racism I mean, they're that right. was in the United States at the moment. Well, and, <laughs> and in 60,
2: 62, they went to Chess Records and they were
0: like, right, probably the first white musicians recorded there. Um, so, yeah, they definitely had some naivete about yeah. understanding all of those dynamics in the States and mm-hmm. <laughs> did not know. Yeah. Um, you know, for as terrible as the message
1: is,
2: it's a 10 out of 10 song for me. Uh, I,
1: it, it's hard. It is really hard to, to look at this. Despite it being racist, group. it is
0: still a yeah. 10 out of 10. It there is, is, is not a point for overt racism. This, the song itself. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
2: Lyrics included. We're going like an eight and a half.
0: Okay. <laughs> See, I, a I, a half it's
1: I'm pleading the fifth on this one.
0: Let's get to Sway. Cool.
1: Hell yeah! That's... Let's let's get to fucking Sway, man. Sway. This is a monster of a song.
0: Um, this song is on a few we have some clear delineations on who's playing what guitar. So this right here is Keith and then Little Mick is doing the slide guitar that comes in a minute and playing the
1: solo. This is what you get Mick Taylor for this song. Like you get him to play that insane solo at the end. Yeah.
0: This song This is, is so what you good. need I a mean, little
1: 20-year-old blues boy for. Seriously. Just some fucking this, I love nerd. this song so much. I quoted I was the best man at my friend's wedding a few years ago and I quoted this song in my speech yeah because I love this song so much which part uh did you ever wake up to find a day that broke up your mind changed Mm -hmm. your notion of circular time and then uh yeah love is the way of really strutting out I mean this song the drum
3: the drum fills
2: on this song are so good
3: yeah
0: um No matter how good it is, I think we have to acknowledge that with this and then Wild Horses next, they're once a fucking gen doing two slow songs immediately at the top of the album.
1: This is not a slow song. This song rocks. It's a
0: slow song. I mean, yes, it's it rocks, but it's Jake. We since I think this is like the eighth album in a row that the second and third songs have been slow. It makes no
1: sense. The energy on this song is this song is so soulful.
2: I agree. If it if I hadn't been listening to a Rolling Stones album a week, uh, I wouldn't think anything of this being the second song. But it is Yeah. like th- they are so bad at being like like opening an album crazy good. Yeah, and then second, yeah. his
0: vocal is great. Sorry, PJ. <laughs> oh, okay, you're fine.
2: No, this song is just amazing. It is such like a. No, I
0: don't. I really, I do really like this song. I'm just saying. Yeah, I get you. They're once again throwing slow songs at the top of the album for some reason. Yeah. So.
2: No, I get you. It's just I was just that my thought was independent. I, that this is a fucking. I don't
1: like sit down and listen to Beggar's Banquet. You know, back and forth a lot. Like so, I, this is the Stones album that I most listened to back to front. So I don't even think of that. But that's yeah. an interesting point.
3: They're yeah, addicted they're,
0: to it. They don't know really how else bad. to sync what's an album. God,
2: and, such I mean the
1: song. guitar work here on the outro is some of the best guitar work that's ever been recorded, I think.
0: It's very like Dwayne Alman-y. It's extremely yeah, Mick, Dwayne Almany. Mick has a style that I know he wasn't in the stones for that long, but does not sound very stonesy to me. It sounds like. But more that's what like... I like.
1: I love that Dwayne yeah yep. Well, and, and I... also this song was not recorded in Muscle Shoals, but Dwayne Allman got his start as a session musician in Muscle Shoals. He slept in the tent in the parking lot. Yeah.
3: Like and that's, this, is southern the sound rock. of the South. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And "Hey Jude" by Wilson Pickett. They invent southern rock in that song, basically. Yeah.
2: Got we got us. St- I I'd love to be on a Dwayne Allman podcast it'd be like
1: yeah. four episodes long yeah it would be you could easily you could do it in an afternoon man he died when he was 22
0: that's true you'd have
2: to get all of his session work and we just go song by song you know like he was in a podcast, crazy dude. amount
0: of
1: songs yeah yeah a lot i
0: found of Rita. um a long time ago speaking of digging through albums uh, that was actually our last episode we were talking about buying vinyl but I found a Dwayne Allman anthology album that was released, like, a few years after he died that was all of, like, his biggest hits as a session musician, and that was a fucking that's great sweet. album.
1: Yeah. that'd be. Good I album, love, man. that's, like, a, a, a thing I love is uh, those early session songs from those guitarists before they break. Like, some of the Hendrix stuff where he's just, like, playing a solo on a jazz song or, yeah. um, like, Robert Plant just playing guitar on... Uh, Jimmy Page yes yes jimmy page is playing guitar on early songs it's i love that stuff yeah
0: i loved the best part of a led zeppelin show was when robert plant strapped on the old six string <laughs> peter i've imagine? made my
1: opinion i don't care about led zeppelin i've never cared about them so i'm sorry that i Robert got
0: plants wrong, like but... can you tune it to open g and write a song where the only chord is g <laughs> i I could could do a if we really need it (laughs) for the bridge yeah he's like so you just put your finger i don't know man i don't know give me give me the give me the tambourine back (laughs) (laughs) all right wild horses
1: the best
2: truly one of the greatest songs ever written
1: it absolutely is
2: those guitar swells are. Part of a documentary that was made about the Stones, uh, there's a video of them. It's them sitting all around in like a circle and they're like goofing around. And then uh, the producer puts on this song for them to hear fully produced for the first time. And they're just all listening to it for the first time. And I think I watch that video probably once every two months because it's just like it blows my mind. It's such a beautiful video. Them just like <laughs> hearing this amazing song
0: for the first time.
1: Yeah,
0: it's so good, man. The I like the, all the vocals on the chorus. It's
1: I good. love all the vocals on the chorus. Which must be, I mean, that must just be them, because this was recorded in Muscle Shoals, mm-hmm. so they didn't have hangers on at that point. I wouldn't have assumed it.
0: Yeah. Uh, according to Wikipedia, at least, only Mick and Keith are even credited with singing. So they must have double checked. if that's true. This is
1: uh, one of Mick's best performances, I think. He is just I really so. selling this song. I yeah, think this... is doing that high part.
0: I think so. I'm, yeah. This song, we talked about on Let It Bleed a little bit, of Mick doing a country voice, and we'll talk about it later on mm-hmm. this album, too. Oh, we but will talk song... about it later on this album. Yeah, this song is a perfect example of how he doesn't fucking need to do that to sing At a all. great country vocal. Yeah, like his voice, the way it already exists, is great great for country songs or country adjacent songs
1: this is a perfect country song basically and it's yeah it's wild that these brits wrote this song like it should embarrass us as americans Like, they can some ways that the british people wrote a country song this good or those well, canadians we'll get... yeah the band well yeah, i was gonna say my two of my favorite like American Southern rock bands are the Rolling Stones and uh, and the Band, and they're both not American. And don't even get
2: me started on Colter
1: Wall, that
2: uh, yeah, or Drake. Canadian. Come on.
1: Oh, he's wild, dude. No.
2: Um, yeah, this song is it's a perfect. It's the song. best, it's the best. Uh, um, yeah, and we'll get more into like some of the greatest country songs ever written on exile next week Mm -hmm. but like they have so
1: much of that on that too i think this is their best country song like i sweet virginia is awesome but i think this is this is cream of the crop country music i think this might be the best country song like it's in the conversation for best country song by anyone
2: i like honky tonk women
1: fuck that those guitar interstitials are so good
2: just a perfect song pretty much also this song as much as i've heard it this is gonna sound really cheesy but every time i hear it it's like hearing it for the first time like it it's just such a good song that like there are certain songs that'll do that and this is one of them for me
1: Pete, you've been very silent. Are you not a wild horses fan? It's good.
0: All right. But I don't think it's the perfect song that a lot of people in the world seem to think it is. It to me right. is a a very good, but at the end of the day, kinda of generic ballad.
1: I will say also growing up in Montana, this is I've heard so many cover bands do this song. Like Every bar I've ever gone to has, has pretty much had at least one person covering Wild Horses at some point in the back. Yeah. yeah. Like, I have heard this song sung by hundreds of different people.
0: This song's really long.
2: (laughs) There's only 40 more seconds. I didn't realize it was this
0: long. This is the best part.
2: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm going to get to.
0: You know...
1: perfect it's perfect piece of music i will stand by that
2: it's a great song it's one of my favorite songs of all time
1: yeah mine too easily top five for sure
0: well now we get oh. to the actually good stuff can't you shut me? the fuck? well this is it's um also an so an amazing song can't you hear me knocking uh started as a jam unsurprisingly i think yeah, keith, no keith was just messing around and charlie was playing drums behind him and then they went to record it and Mick was like complaining that it was too high for his voice, but they just took their like first take and put it on the album, so. Oh. Yeah, I really like this song. This song's so fucking good, man. I love. This is also, oh, go The
2: ahead. guitar tone is different than like most of the guitar tone they've done before, but it's really good. Yes. It's like fuzzier.
1: It's wild that Satisfaction became, like, their uh, their addition to, like, the Great Riffs Hall of Fame. This riff kicks the shit out of the Satisfaction riff.
2: Oh, fully.
1: I mean, this riff is ridiculous. Like, this riff, I've heard this song hundreds of times. I still am not totally sure how they got a guitar to sound like that. Yeah. It's
0: wild. It's very good. Um, oh, this organ on the chorus is Billy Preston's first appearance here. Nice. Um... Yeah, this is really great. Uh, Little Mick solos from about four and a half minutes to the end. Um, And then he has a quote about this song where he said, the jam just happened by accident. That was never planned. Towards the end of the song, I just felt like carrying on. Everybody was putting their instruments down, but the tape was still rolling and it sounded good. So they picked back up their instruments and carried on playing. It just happened and it was in one take. So we'll kind of hear like all the other instruments disappear for the first few minutes or seconds of the jam and then come back in. So
2: Yeah. Um, for the sake of time, since this is a seven-minute song, I'm going to sure. skip to four and a half
1: minutes. Is that what you said?
0: Uh, Do like four minutes.
1: Okay. Is that when the mamba starts?
0: <laughs> yeah, close.
1: Yeah. I mean, come on. This
2: yeah.
0: rips, man. So it like breaks down here a little Peter bit. Peter
2: hates all of the saxophone on every Stone song, and I love all of it. I love saxophone on pretty much any fucking song.
1: Me too. I like sax in my rock.
2: Have you heard about a band called Chicago?
0: No horns in that band, PJ, I don't think.
2: I'm thinking about the musical, I'm sorry. Oh, okay.
0: So I assume, like, this is the part, maybe, that he was talking about, where it never really fully stops, but... Oh, that organist. And cold. then here comes Mick Taylor. Yes, sounding very almony, I would
3: say. Oh so almondy.
0: Once again, Charlie fucking killing it, dude. Yeah. I also just like like they've had a real up and down few jam songs since they started trying to in the late 60s or in the mid 60s i mean and uh they really they perfected it on this one because like i mean maybe because mix the best like jam ish guitarist they've had so far but also they just keep it tight enough like it never gets too wandering which helps a lot um now the backbeat stays they did it by accident yeah that helps and then it's actually like somewhat melodic like near the end of the song they actually like find like a melody that they're playing and stuff which is nice to hear after like the uh go home whatever that song was going home jam i
2: i do think it is funny because i agree this is the best like jammy one they've had so far but i think it's funny that they did it on accident
0: yeah well (laughs) technically that's i kind of they're full of shit because every single jam song they do they're like oh we just kept running the tape and we all did it by accident and you're like yeah, there's this is like the eighth time you've said that there's no way that's really true at a certain point but especially since yeah, every a lot other of other musicians says
3: they
2: suck at like warming up
0: yeah
2: oh just fucking ripping it oh. yeah, it's
0: good stuff alright I'm gonna skip to the very end Sure. Yeah, the very end riff that they get to is excellent too. Yeah, this part. So almony. Again, yes. Sounds like an Almond Brothers song.
1: It's southern like, rock, right. man. They're they're just they are straight on just playing southern rock at this point.
0: You gotta move. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So this is also Little Mick on slide here. Uh, This is a cover of a Fred McDowell song. Well, technically, it's an older song than that, but they credit Fred McDowell, who is a blues guy. It was like an old spiritual song. Really old
3: song.
2: I don't care what anybody says, I like mixed voice on it.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: It's definitely one of their better acoustic blues songs that they've released so far I like that it's like gang vocals on the whole thing like all the the people like yelling in the background I really like on this
2: Also, maybe the lowest Mick has gone yet. This part, I love. This part slaps.
0: It's, like, so spooky sounding, but it's so great.
2: For a bunch of white guys from England, they really, like, captured that, like, American traditional sound. I don't know. Like, I feel like they've tried it up to this point, and, like, they nailed it. I
1: agree. Yeah. I think this is this is their best attempt at sounding like a primary source, not sounding like they're doing an impression.
2: Yeah. Oh, fuck. And then, is that Lil Mick? Yeah it's gotta be it's so good it's great slide fuck yeah dude that's
1: all (laughs) yeah that's on rocks.
2: and is that the end of the b side
0: that's the end of yeah side a
2: oh sorry that's what i mean yeah and then we
0: get to bitch yeah we do We should
2: start a new segment called Bitch Sesh, where we just bitch about stuff.
0: That's a great idea.
2: Thank you. I I do think this is a good song. It is not my favorite song on the album, though. Like, it's...
3: Ooh.
1: It's not my favorite song on the album, but I do love this.
3: Yeah.
0: I like it okay. It... It really just makes me wish I was listening to "Live with Me" because it sounds so much like "Live with Me" to my ears. Um, And then I don't know the lyrics in the chorus are so cheesy and stupid, so it's hard to. to I don't know, man.
1: Like they're cheesy. The Rolling Stones lyrics are cheesy, but this song I don't care. Like I'm totally, I'm 100% in. I don't care that they're corny. If any other band tried to do this. I would probably be like this doesn't work, but I'm no. I'm here for the ride for that.
2: See I, I really like this song. Uh but, I mean, that's like so fucking
3: good that part.
2: I think it's a really, really good song. I think it's the bottom two on the album though. I just really like every yeah. song on this album.
1: Um If this is your bottom two, that's a that's a good that's a really good album.
0: I think so. Yeah. Um uh, Mick had a quote about using horns more on this album he said the brass for me is great especially on bitch i mean as long as it's used tastefully i'm not saying i'd like to work with a band with sort of five or six brass instruments but i wouldn't mind a band with five saxophones (laughs) and on this song it's just a saxophone (laughs) and a trumpet so i don't know what the fuck he thinks he's talking about but
1: what I like Whatever. about this song is, like, on other songs, they've used horns as a accoutrement, but this is a horn song. Like, the horn is playing yeah. the melody.
0: Yeah, right. It's Like, they're playing sick. the riff, yeah.
1: Yes. And it's, then yeah, so it's,
0: it's solid. That's Keith. Am I right? Yeah, I don't know. So. Is it an open <laughs> G? Because if it's an open I G... I didn't have it written G. down here, so...
2: I was watching a video the other day where, uh... Noisy has this series called guitar moves and this guy goes and talks to famous guitarists and uh, he takes the guy's guitar and he's like cuz the guy's like what like tuning or whatever Do you use and he just takes it and he has like such a hard time getting the low E off to show him that he does open G oh. without the low E but like you know he was like this was like two three years ago that this was recorded and so he's just like such an old man trying to get this fucking E string off, and then like tuning it all up. It's
1: hilarious. Well, see, Keith never has that problem because he literally just doesn't play the low E. So, if you yeah. take the low E off the guitar, you don't have to try to tune it. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm. Want I'm to the next one. get to? I got, I got, I got, blues. got the blues. Yeah. Um, this is the organ solo here is Billy Preston again, by the way.
2: Truly a beautiful intro.
0: And then same, just the saxophone and trumpet as horns. doing the uh, John Fogarty
2: yeah <laughs> so this is a good song I just want to talk about little Mick for a second please Af- after the stones little Mick plays with Bob Dylan for a little bit sure has he done anything else?
0: I don't know.
3: Yeah, I PJ, don't know. I don't know. I'm reading a book about the creator. Rolling
0: Stones, not fucking Little Mick. So I don't know why you think I would know his life story. Peter, I'm really sorry that I asked such a stupid fucking question. Thank you,
1: PJ. Thank you. So, is with the Stars Through Goat's Head Soup. And then uh, Hope yeah. Stones.
0: PJ, I'm just going to do what you should have done before bringing it up. I'm going to look up his Wikipedia page. Because I feel
2: like he had so much potential after releasing fucking, what, five albums with the Stones that are so good, and Mm then doesn't really do much else.
1: Yeah, he plays on Infidels. Yeah. And he's on Real Live. Yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot of him doing big stuff since then.
0: He did a solo album in 1979 that wasn't didn't sell particularly well.
2: Oh fuck
1: yeah. Yeah, Billy's killing it here. Oh,
2: Billy always kills it. <laughs> show me a song Billy Preston is on that's not a fucking banger.
1: Uh half of Let It Be?
2: Oh fuck you, dude. It's good. <laughs>
0: Taylor, it looks like Little Mick basically just made a career out of, like, guesting on people's songs, but, like, for 30 years. It would just be like, and then he showed up and played on stage with the Grateful Dead for a few shows, and then he showed up and played on this hit song, and that kind of shit, so.
1: I mean, you get to be in the greatest band, the greatest rock band of all time for, like, their greatest period, and then you just get to hang out for 40 years? I would take that deal.
2: Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. All right. Mm. This song is good. Yeah, I don't.
0: I don't really know why they thought they should go back to the R and B. Well, honestly, it's not like mixed voice. Mixed voice is definitely better than on their Otis Redding covers. But just in general, this is definitely the most disappointing song on the album. I'd say.
1: Trying to cover Otis redding is so funny. Oh, it was bad. Um, Yeah, that's a disaster. One person can cover Otis Redding, and it's Aretha Franklin. And if you're not her, don't even try it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so. I this song works for me. Like I don't like any of their other R and B stuff. Yeah. This one works. All right, Sister
1: um, Morphine. It's not my
3: fave.
0: Uh, Sister Morphine. Really oh, go ahead. Beautiful song. I don't Sister Morphine was written back in like 1969 by Marianne Faithful, Mick and Keith, and Marianne released it in 1969, a version with her singing. Um. And then this is the only song in the album Little Mix not on at all.
3: Hmm. I'll
0: I'll say I don't find this song very compelling.
1: No, this This is is probably my least favorite on the album. This is my bottom
0: song. So for me it goes this. I couldn't tell if I was crazy no. or not because i'm like does this
1: just suck well especially because yeah. the next <laughs> two point. songs rock like we get we get two all-time great stone songs next up so i just i just want to skip sister morphine to get to the end of this album yeah. faster
2: um for, so bitch i said was my bottom two this is my bottom and then bitch yeah. and i think bitch is an amazing song yeah.
1: so yeah this um, is it's definitely the least compelling thing on the album
2: yeah maybe it's because little mick wasn't on it Maybe. Hey,
0: he's the special sauce, baby.
2: That's true. Now, yeah, I guess I'll say
0: between like with the side with side B starting with "bitch," I got the blues, and then this—it's not very good so far, in my opinion. Like, I wasn't. It's not as good. Side Side A,
1: side A, I think is one of the greatest like four or five song runs in album history in music history. But yeah, Yeah. this album, this side is really back heavy. Like, we close with two all-timers, but these, nice. the first three are fine.
2: Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go to Dead Flowers, because it's sure. a much better song.
1: Yeah, it's so good.
2: Fuck yeah, dude. Um, another one of the greatest country songs ever fucking written.
0: With one of the dumbest
3: vocals.
1: Yeah, I, man... I I honestly I like the Stones version, but I so prefer the uh, the, the Town Zandt version because yeah. he's just singing it like a normal person. <laughs> he's not doing an impression why... of like an itinerant farmer. Yeah,
0: we talked about this on Let It Bleed. Like, I don't know why Mick felt the need to like do this weird fake country voice because it's it's just so bad. It sounds so stupid to me.
1: And this, I maybe love this, this song's song. kind of vulnerable. So like maybe this he's trying to cover up the vulnerability of it. I don't know. I don't understand maybe. his vocal, his thought behind the vocal performance on this. This is there are a few covers that I like more than the original, but the Townsman and version of this song I would listen to every time. Over Townsman's
2: and right? version of this song is maybe the greatest song of all time.
1: It's up there. It really is. Um, I
0: guess it really bugs but me that the chorus that. doesn't rhyme i know that's kind of small but it it really kind of bugs me (laughs) yeah that it's like it's all four lines don't rhyme and it is really fucking weird songwriting
1: this there are parts of this especially with the vocals that sound like he's making fun of country music more than he's trying to actually make a country song (laughs) Like it sounds like, See, it, it, like Graham pissed him off, and he was like, "I'll show you, Graham, I'll show you cosmic American music," and then just. This is what it. you sound like.
0: <laughs> That's possible, but I don't think. Well, I don't know. I feel like they were not maybe self-aware enough that at groove, least about into country that. music to no, be no, doing that
1: at this point. No, I don't think he was at all. I don't think Nick has been self-aware in his entire life. <laughs>
0: Never once. They are occasionally, no. but doesn't
1: feel like it here. he literally called an album a bigger bang that man has no idea of what, of what subtlety and nuance the is.
2: fact that they're called the greatest rock band in history ironically and then they took it and ran with it
0: yeah, yeah um another quick guitarist update so little mick here does the solo and apparently is doing most of the the licks during the chorus and then keith is doing everything else speaking of the solo
2: Keith didn't even need to be on this album
0: yeah it's interesting he isn't a ton it's it's a Mick Taylor showcase for sure
2: got the groove that they get into when they go into the take me down like the chorus so fucking good yeah I love this song it's It's very
0: very one.
1: Yeah, that that piano, that ballroom piano comes in.
0: Yeah. All I right. All
3: right.
2: I love when they change
1: in by the U.S. Like, mail in there is so funny. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Keith is actually an incredibly good backup singer. Yeah. Like, I feel is. like
1: He's such a good singer.
2: Every time he's like doing the background vocals, it's fucking good. All right. And then the last song, Moonlight Moon. Night Mile.
1: Hell yeah, dude.
0: This I didn't actually check on this, but I think this is the first Rolling Stone song to not have Keith on it at all. Oh, um, wow. He's not on the yeah. Sale, so apparently Mick and Little Mick were working on it and they were. The riff was something Keith had recorded and then Keith wasn't around. And so they worked on the song and finished it together. Um, Mick is playing acoustic and little Mick is paying playing electric guitar and then little Mick figured out the string section and stuff and apparently was told he would be credited with writing it but then it came out and it was a jagger Richards composition so uh, an yeah.
2: amazing close to an album yeah it's really such wild
1: a, such a great final song
0: it is. Definitely unlike any stone song we've heard so far.
1: Do you like it,
2: Pete?
0: Uh, yes, this is probably my favorite song. Your favorite one on the album? Album, yeah. I really, really Ooh, I like this song. I like
2: that take. That's a great take. It see, it I reminds th- me. That's what I guessed.
0: Yeah. Once the strings come in, it actually weirdly reminds me of like late era Led Zeppelin of all things. Yeah, like Tangerine. <laughs> it's like kind of. It's a very like kind of proggy rock song for the Stones. It's weird.
2: Oh, it's it's a great song. This
0: song is fantastic.
1: Drive-By Truckers used to cover this in concert, and I always thought it was such a great Stones cover. Like, of all the Stones Hmm. songs, to cover this one is such a cool move.
2: It's a weird one to choose, but, like, I bet it worked.
1: Yeah, it was great.
2: Sticky Fingers.
0: Who wants to... Who wants to go first? Why don't
2: we let Jake go first since he's the guest?
0: Jake, let's go first. You go
1: first. I think this is a definitive 10 out of 10 rock album. I think this is a 10. I I think this is one of the 10s by which 10s are graded.
0: Okay. Any other general thoughts i mean i guess you can kind of jump in when we're talking about our thoughts
1: i mean i just i I stand by what i said that i think this is like this is their pinnacle and that it's everything that they do well at at once and at like the same level like their country songs are as good as their blues songs are as good as their string arrangements are as good as their guitar solos yeah
0: yeah that's a good way of putting it uh
2: pete why don't you go next
0: Okay. Um, I, I feel like I didn't, well, I mean, I definitely didn't get as much time listening to this as I wanted to this week. Um, for many reasons. So like, it's very, very good. And I feel like there's a possibility that I get more into it, the more I listen to it, or maybe this is the most I'm into it. I think it's probably their best album so far in my estimation, but it's still got a good amount of weak stuff on it. Um, a little bit. So like probably an eight out of 10 for me it's cool. i really i like the sound of it um and i definitely like a lot of the songwriting but just like with every stones album we've heard so far it just feels like they make a handful of decisions that i think are terrible mm. and so <laughs> i and i don't understand so it it isn't quite like a perfect album do you think there's potential um, for a 10 no i mean because on a lot of the other albums where we've talked about that it's because like there's uk and us versions so if you swap the songs around um on let it bleed it was basically just country honk versus honky tonk women that really bugged me that much um on this one though i don't know other alternate songs so like i don't really like bitch i got the blues or sister morphine very much at all and then Dead Flowers has him doing a dumb country voice, so...
3: Like, I don't know what I'd
0: substitute for those, you know? So, I, I, I don't, I don't that disagree that there is that room for a 10 out of, For me, my personal opinion of it, to
1: improve. Unless okay. I just
0: like the songs over time more. 8 is still good. It's
1: also kind of... It's partially, like, what you define as a 10 out of 10, because I think this is a 10 out of 10, but I don't think it's perfect by any means. Like, I do think yeah. there are weaker songs... But I just think those first like six songs are so good, and the last two songs are so good that I couldn't give it less than a ten out of ten. So this is where
2: my rating is going to come in. Um, I I also wouldn't consider it a perfect album. Uh, but as far as a listen goes, like my experience sitting down and listening to this album, what my experience was, I think it's a ten out of ten.
0: I think for he me, fucking
2: nuts. No. no okay I'm not saying this
0: is a perfect Sister album. Morphine like I hear you okay Yeah like even though I didn't love the songs that I just Listed I agree that like when you're Listening to it it mattered less to me But then like Sister Morphine every time was Just a fucking downer That is a low. I don't mean, I don't care because
1: I heard Wild Horses Five minutes earlier so I don't care if I have to hit through Sister Morphine <laughs> That's like, true. I yeah. can ride the high of Wild Horses for a while man.
2: And then the next song is Dead Flowers So
1: yeah I mean, seriously yeah.
0: Yeah. All right to, like so, I,
2: I, if, if I'm speaking honestly, I would have given it a nine point five, but we don't do halves on the show, and I round no, it up. No, we don't,
0: because we're not bitches. Yeah,
2: so 10, <laughs> we're not. It's got to be a ten. Yeah,
0: yeah that's true.
1: Pitchfork, more like bitch fork. <laughs> Ooh, got there. Ass. I am
0: sure we've made that joke on this show before.
1: <laughs> I think we might have made the jo- that joke on the show when I was on.
0: Probably, yeah.
1: Yeah. Probably both times you were on.
0: <laughs> this show doesn't. Change
1: four. I was on four times, baby. Hell yeah.
0: Um, wait, were you really? Oh yeah, the Jan Dean yeah, episode. Gene and
1: the Pet Sounds two-parter, and the Kokomo. Yeah. No, that's so. right.
0: Yeah, well, that's Sticky Fingers. I We're at a point where I don't think I'm going to... I mean, we'll see about Exile on Main Street, but I don't know if the Rolling Stones will ever release a perfect album to me. That's okay. Yeah, i got to say, right?
3: man, if,
1: if this doesn't... If this isn't a perfect or close to perfect album for you, I don't think I don't think the Stones are going to be your bag.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm, well, well, I'm going gonna... to spoil next week
1: for you guys.
2: <laughs> I like Exile better than this album. Yeah, yeah, PJ's like been I saying say, they're, that, they're, so I'm
1: holding out hope. They're kind of a side A and side B for me. Like, and they're both. I love them both.
0: Jake, we recently had Paul on who said "Tattoo You" is going to blow my mind. So I'm waiting for that wow. one too. That should be how Tattoo 10 out of
1: 10. you. Tattoo You is a great, like, <laughs> we're past our prime, but we're we're just going to keep being the biggest band in the world album. Yeah. Which we'll is see. fun.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, Pete. Well, PJ. And Jake. Well,
0: Jake. I'll see you and on the other side of that wave. <laughs> you know what? This stone this stone no matter how hard people for for almost a year and a half this stone did not roll and yet then they release an album and it just it just keeps on rolling like it never stopped PJ I agree yeah
2: and um we're
0: uh gonna
2: r- roll ro- roll you on out of here
0: great thanks for joining us Jake
1: yeah thank you thank you for having me Good to be here. Good to be back with the boys. It feels lovely, and uh, yeah. love is the way they say of really strutting out. So keep that in mind.
0: And now we gotta all go wash our hands.
1: I don't know. I like the stick. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I love the mix. There. I might go shoot. I might go shoot hoops actually.
0: <laughs> I might go shoot some heroin.
1: <laughs> boy.
2: And I might go shoot some police
0: officers.
1: Okay. All right. It looked like we were going in another direction there, but it worked out.
0: You saved it at the last minute. God, I thought that was going to be bad, but thankfully you saved it, PJ. Uh,
2: All right. I'll see you on the other side of that wave.
1: Bye-bye, honey. and drag me away
3: Why, why horses A Beach Boys Boys production.